0: Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod. I'm Andy Ryan, Big Jim and are with me as usual. We'll be wrapping up the best of the Premiership and URC action. We'll also be looking at England's latest appointment and looking ahead to the return of the Champions Cup. Plus we'll be having a chat with Newcastle leader Gary Graham after their record win over Leicester at the weekend. So settle back, enjoy and make sure you've subscribed on Spotify.
2: restrictions all play. see website for details
1: jim i hear you've been training for love island
3: hey eh? does beck know no she doesn't know <laughs> thankfully because the detail is slightly off there i've been training with a love islander not for love island andrew good you should have seen it and andy Rowe. you know i'm a man who likes to train in my own comfort zone in my own bubble i've branched out because i'm feeling a little bit better since my operation six months ago i thought right i'm gonna Branch out and just see if I can test myself at the prime old age of 40. Mate, when you're with a 28-year-old lad who's got a body fat percentage of 4%, is 105 kgs, and I am six minutes into a 32-minute training session, I felt like an overweight child versus an elite athlete. It was absolutely embarrassing. So, so who, who are you training with? A guy called Jay Younger. So I had him on the podcast that I did. Uh, last year stallion the big gym show he looks like a stallion as well doesn't he mate he's thick he's he's big he is a humbler he's a humbler mate. <laughs> that's all i can say so i'll try, I try he's coming to the live show actually i give a big shout out to jay because he's coming to the live show in feb in edinburgh with a few of his mates and stuff so they all listen to the show uh good lad my goodness me i did i feel inferior I just wish you were there, Goody. I wish you were with me in your blue (laughs) Adidas T-shirt doing your bit. But it was definitely a humbler. So for me to say one of Scotland's greatest to have ever done it, I feel like I need to retract all statements, all comments, and get back to the drawing board. So I might just stick to the what bike. I'll see how I pull up tomorrow. Back's a bit stiff. I won't hit you with a training session, but it involved a lot of burpees and deadlifts.
0: Well, massive shout out to Jay then, Jim, for putting you in a pile. And making you feel humble and realising that you're not the Scottish legend that you think you are. But I'm looking forward to having a drink with him because he tried to nick ack in Sue, didn't he? On Love Island and didn't get anywhere. So he got a kiss, but then she binned him off. So some good chats to be had about that.
3: All fabricated, all lies. Love Island lies. That was the clickbait headline that we put out after the interview. Don't ruin it for me, please. I won't.
1: I won't. All legit then. All legit. <laughs>
0: There's a new series starting soon, so I'm watching that. And if you're telling me it's all lies, I will not believe you, James.
1: Well, Gertie, you were starting off the New Year with a New Year's resolution to, to get fitter, weren't you? Still sticking at it?
0: Well, very similar to James's, And I'm in a spin class this morning, very similar to what James Hamilton just described, apart from the women that I was spinning against for about 65, 70 years of age. So I was dominating. I was the one that was dominating these older <laughs> ladies in my spin class at this morning. And Jim's phoned me, hasn't he? Ten minutes to go in the spin class, he's phoned me, and I thought, I'm going to prove it.
3: And he answers.
0: I answer on Who this. Who answers? Like it was a, it, no,
3: no, 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 no. You don't answer. You pie the call and then
0: FaceTime video me. Exactly. So you can see that I'm sweating. I'm pink. I'm red, I'm working hard, I'm I'm trying Who to... Who wa-
3: answers their phone? Who answers their phone in the middle of a spin
0: session? <laughs> Someone that's not working hard enough, because I was basically dominating about 10 65-year-old grannies. But, proof. And I saw you took some pictures of it, and that's when I hung up, because I'm like, I can't have him having awful pictures of me while I'm on the bike. But proof is there, James. You, you did. You don't believe that I'm doing these spin classes... So Chris Hoy inspired me last week. He, he basically said I was the same as him, a fly half and a cyclist, and there I am winning spin classes for No, fun. you said
3: you were the same as him. Yeah, true. It true. was <laughs> so the other way around. <laughs> yeah,
0: true. I mean, semantics, Jim, but there we go.
3: That's good. Andy Rowe, I feel bad because we didn't ask too much about you last week. We need to ask you this week because you are back and the commitment to the cause for the rugby pod is unbelievable. You obviously... We're in New Zealand last week for Christmas and New Year. You're up at half three, four in the morning recording for the rugby pod, which is, you know, part of your identity, all of our identities. It's our life. And now you're back. Quick one. What state is New Zealand in? Is it as fucked as the UK is at the minute?
1: Are you glad you're back? How are you? Let's just say I left here on the 22nd of December and I got my baggage in New Zealand on the 2nd of January. <laughs> so my whole holiday... Who would you fly with? Baghdad Airways, I'll tell you. <laughs> British Airways. British Airways lost my baggage. So, yeah, I arrived there and, and, and had no Christmas presents for the brutal 12 nephews and nieces under six years old that were under the same roof as me. And then um, by the time my baggage arrived, it was... Time to come back here. So just arrived back this afternoon.
0: Did you have to go and buy loads of clothes and deodorant? Yeah, surely you took your Lynx Africa with you from Jim. Mate, I stink right now. It didn't
1: come though. Didn't come. Yeah, the Lynx Africa was in the in the baggage with the Christmas presents with all the special ah. things, the things that you didn't want to do without. And no, I, I can tell you now, I smell I the stink. Willy?
0: Did you take the Willie? Where's the rubber willy? <laughs>
1: That's in Soho, isn't it? Didn't you didn't you leave it in Soho, Jim? Well, that's very kind of you. I
3: didn't leave it. I threw it over my shoulder, and it's probably in someone's drink right now. That's where the rubber woolly is. So I like the fact that you're trying to protect me there, Andy Rowe. But yeah, it's in someone's drink in Soho.
1: I threw that, so I don't expect to have that in New Zealand. But welcome home. Thanks. It's good to be back, lads. bit more news coming out of the RAFU. Nick Evans, new attack coach. Good decision,
0: do you think, Goody? Uh, Very good, actually. And credit to Steve Borthwick, because... And I said it on this podcast, uh, Steve Borthwick has been someone that sat under Eddie Jones' wing for quite some time prior to leaving to go and get head coach experience and take the job at Leicester. So he obviously, he was with Eddie Jones at Japan, England, and then off he went. Uh, And a lot of people said when Steve Borthwick got the job, it's going to be just much more of the same. You know, you look at how Leicester won the league last year, heavily reliant on their kicking game. You know, As we've said in this podcast, they built from the bottom-ups, so they built their defence, they built their driving mall, their set-piece, and it was very much the way that Eddie Jones has tried to play it and kind of annoyed some fans without trying to excite them fans at all. So for Steve Borswick, he's obviously got his right-hand man with him in, in Kevin Sinfield, who run the defence, but to go and get Nick Evans, who is one of the sharpest rugby brains I think I've ever come across, and I know Nick Evans reasonably well off the field, you watch the way Harlequins attack, and you watch the way he talks about the game and how laid back and relaxed he is while also being on it. I think it's a brilliant, brilliant signing to to get him to run the attack. You just hope that he's allowed to use his knowledge and and his thoughts on the game and implement that in terms of the attack for England. Uh, And in doing so, listen, I think it's very exciting. All of a sudden, in two weeks, and I might be deluded because I'm an England fan. I speak to a lot of England fans out there, and they're all... Absolutely pumped now for the Six Nations, and and there's a lot of positivity around it, whereas before, we heard all the boos at Twickenham, the doom and gloom around Eddie Jones, and it was, we're fed up of Eddie, what's next in the press, he's not going to pick players in position, he's not going to pick players on form, he doesn't care about the Premiership. Now, we've got the best attack coach in the Premiership, probably, in in Nick Evans, we've got Steve Borthwick at the helm, and we've got the best bloke in the world, ever in terms of inspiring people, in Kevin Sinfield as our coaching trio. So Richard Cockle's there as well. I'm massively buzzing about it. Can't wait to see the England squad next week. It gets announced next Monday, so we'll chat about that next week on the pod. But in reality, I think it's a master by him. And hopefully, Nick Evans will be the yin to Steve Borthwick's yang, because they're very different people, James. And
3: it's only the Six Nations, isn't it? It's only for the Six Nations well I mean well, England won't be playing after the Six Nations will they but I think you say that. it looks like it could be a long term thing hey? yeah
0: you say that but when Nick Mullins interviewed Nick Evans yesterday during the game poor, poor Nick Evans right he's there as, as Quinn's attack coach and Nick Mullins is interviewing him asking him the first three questions about England <laughs> And it, what do you
3: mean he's checked out already, and that's why Quinn struggled? <laughs> no, I
0: didn't say anything, mate. <laughs> I think they struggled because it was battering down with rain. There was no Joe. What do you mean it was Joe Marler's fault, Jim? He said, "Look, it could be more." There's obviously a negotiation gone on. It it sits reasonably well with Quinn's because I think they've got a bye week during the Six Nations. Tabai Matson's interview pre-game. Yeah, you know, it's a massively exciting thing for Nick Evans and a kind of progress in his career to get that recognition and and also off the back of all the work he's done at Quinns. He knows the Premiership inside out. He's been here 15 years. He's implemented a game plan with Quinns that gets bombs on seats in the stadium through the turnstiles, but also bombs off seats with excitement with the likes of Caden Murley, Marcus Smith, uh, you know Joe Marchant, these exciting young players that give the freedom to other guys in the England shirt as well. And we've got, hopefully, an attacking outfit married up with some steely Steve Borthwick detail and Kevin Sinfield's defence and you might have a great recipe there for England to win the World Cup again. Come on, England.
1: Just when we thought that Owen Farrell was a show-in as the show ten, now you've got Nick Evans, who's a big fan of Marcus Smith, obviously. He'll be a massive fan of Owen Farrell as well. Everyone is. Anyone you speak to
3: at the top end of the game will say that Owen Farrell will be in their top three players. I'm speaking for them here, but anyone that I've spoken to in and around the game, Owen Farrell. I'm not saying that he is head and shoulders above Marcus Smith. Well, I kind of am. I think he is. I think Owen Farrell is better than Marcus Smith. I think Nick Evans will know that. I think Marcus Smith has got time on his hands. He can come through. He can learn. But I just don't think he's at Owen Farrell's level yet. I think it's clear to see. The big thing will be now because we know that Faz is going to get banned. He might might get banned for three days because he's doing a tackling course under the RFU guys, but (laughs) is Marcus Smith going to get back for that first game against Scotland? If so, then that flips things on its head because Owen Farrell was a shoe in because Marcus Smith's been injured, Owen Farrell's form. I think like Goody said, in terms of the relationship with Marcus Smith, I think Caden Murley will be in as well. Don Branner, at eight. I don't think he's been as good this season as he has in recent seasons. And maybe that's the way that Quinn's have been playing. I'm not too sure. Danny Kerr at scrum half. You know, you look at Leicester and you look at Van Poorfleet not playing as well because of the way that Leicester are playing. There's a load of reasons behind that. Is Ben Young still going to be in? I know Danny Kerr has been a losing team the last couple of weeks, but you've still seen snippets of his world-class ability. So Nick Evans allied with the best attack or one of the best attacks around. All makes sense.
0: Yeah, I agree, Jim. And basically, I think Jim's saying that with our attack now, the Calcutta Cup's coming home, eh, Jim?
3: Who knows? Have you seen the form of some of the Scotland players?
0: Edinburgh ones. That's all I'm saying. The Edinburgh ones. Glasgow. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be interesting. And Listen, the bottom line is Nick Evans, very exciting for England rugby. Um, I'm with Jim. Uh, Owen Farrell, dependent on his ban, and we'll get onto that in a minute. If he does get banned, uh, should start at 10. Marcus Smith's going to come back over the next week or so, two weeks potentially, and... Play a couple of games, but he's ideal to have on the bench to come off and and change the game. If he was in sparkling form, you'd look at the decision of Nick Evans and how much sort of power will he have in selection. But it's a no-brainer. If Owen Farrell isn't banned for the Six Nations, which I don't think he will be, and we'll get onto that in a sec, he's the form ten in Europe at the minute for me.
1: Yeah, before we get on to the Owen Farrell chat, um, we've had a question come in from Corey on social media. He's asked with the increase of talented English players leaving the Prem to apply their trade abroad. Is it time for England to relax the rules around selecting players overseas? And I guess there's also another question on top of that. Will we see any of those players come back
0: now that we've changed the coach? Do I think they'll relax them? Mate, there's so so many things going on in the world of rugby. I can't see how they will relax them. Um, I think, like Jim said, there's a big reset coming post-World Cup. And obviously there's conversations around Premiership rugby and there's the... The funding deal going on at the minute, negotiations with the RFU around how much they pay to get the release of England players. So I I think we're so far down the line now that if you open up, and it's the big debate in New Zealand as well, isn't it, Andy Rowe, around letting more people do what Bowden Barrett's going to do and pick and choose when he plays the All Blacks. Yeah. I think it's really difficult to, when you're in a strong position in terms of the amount of players that you've got, to say, do you know what? off you go, play when you want. Unless there's a complete reset in world rugby around the international windows and release of players, et cetera, et cetera, uh, I can't see it happening.
3: I think they'll have to. Uh, Not to to be the opposite to you, going based on Jack Knowles' statement and there's talk of him leaving Exeter, which effectively means he's leaving, and I saw something somewhere where he said, everyone's talking about the salary cap stuff and all the premierships are in the same position with their £5 million salary cap, effectively, Exeter can't pay him the money that he wants, right? Yeah. So you think you've got Jack Knoll, Luke Kamandiki and Sam Simmons, three of Exeter's, let's say it, three of their best players come through the system that need to go to France now to get paid, which is a big part of it because there's no room in the cap, even if they were to stay. Because if it was of times gone by, and if the salary cap was endless, anyone would want Luke Dickie in the Prem, wouldn't they? Anyone would want him. Anyone would want Jack Now. I know he's had his injury problems and stuff like that. Sam Simmons, exactly the same. So I think if you're England, if they go to New Zealand, which they won't, or Japan, which they won't unless it's a sabbatical, why would you not if they're in the top 14 playing in France? Getting paid a shitload of money. I know like the issue issues around in terms of going back during the fallow weeks, maybe they can have a, something in their contract where they don't play them if they're internationals. But... I just think with the lay of the land now and the lack of, I say the lack of investment, the lack of allowed and the want to increase the salary cap, which I'm all for. I know, Goody, we're very different on that. But you're telling me Jack Knoll now is probably not going to get what he's getting paid now by any other club in the premiership. He'll probably get paid double or close to double going to France. That means you don't have a Jack Knoll to pick. I know that the back three are very good, but this could happen in a number of different positions. Maratogi right, say he wants to go, he gets offered £2 million to go to Racing.
0: right, you telling me you're not going to pick Maratogi? Well, not at the minute, no. Um, and that's why I'm saying, with how it sits at the minute with the international rules on player eligibility and when they get released and all stuff like that, unless there's a complete reset around the international window so they don't cross over. And this is the question for the clubs, right? And it's always that limit of how much is a player worth to the club? So if you've got a Luke Cowan and you're looking at him, or a Jack Noel, let's take Jack Knoll for example. You're looking at Jack Noel and you're saying, how many games has he played for the club over the last two years? How much is he asking for? Is he going to be away with England a lot? So how many games will you get him for? And the state of the season, how convoluted it is around all the crossovers in the premiership, you're then sort of saying, well, if we pay him, say we pay him 400 grand and we only get 15 games out of him a year, like how much value are we getting for that? Are we better off not going for someone else where we're going to get more value? And that's always the club's decision. And I, I completely agree when you're talking about you want to keep the big name players, but the players have also got to get realistic. And it's the hard thing when you used to earn in three, 400 grand a year, because that's what clubs could afford to pay you a few years ago. Well, they can't do it now. Well, say it, Goody. Say what? Say it. Say the two words. Not, say it. I'm not going to say central contracts, James. Why? I'm not going to say did. it. <laughs> just said it. I did, yeah. <laughs> that's it. And that's the reset. If there is a reset and it comes to that, then, well, central contracts, there are a few, certainly wouldn't let them do it and go and play abroad because they'd have even less of a control over them. So it has to be something in world rugby where all seasons are aligned and then international windows are so clear that we've, we've then got, clarity on when players can be released and then you might be able to see that but until then I can't see anything changing Should we move on
1: then Should we go to the GMO the Goody match official Owen Farrell I mean you mentioned it before Goody is he going to be banned for the start of the Six Nations what would you make of his tackle
0: Yeah so with the Goody match official it is a relatively new feature for us here talking about what I think should have happened at the weekend and there's two to talk about isn't there not only the Owen Farrell incident but the Manu Tuolangi one as well which has got people chattering on social media. We'll start off with Owen Farrell and I'm going to be really clear on this. The referee and the TMO, Claire Hodnett was the TMO and the referee, Carl Dixon, have had an absolute stinker. And this goes back to World Rugby. I think we spoke about it last week. World Rugby said, oh, we want the game to be really fast and we don't want TMOs to be involved as much. Well, tell Gloucester fans that because... They rushed through the decision. There was the wording that he used. Not I get what Carl Dixon said. Carl Dixon said, "Is it, has it been part of the last phase of play?" What he meant was the last passage of play. Claire Hodnett then panicked, and Claire Hodnett reacts off Austin Healy picking it up and going, "Well, why hasn't that been?" Looked at, you have to look at this because it's a replay. How the TMOs aren't better at their jobs is beyond me.
3: Because they know that Austin and Benny and Lawrence and Brian O'Driscoll and Jim Hamilton and Andy Goo, they're the best of the business. <laughs> exactly. But that in itself is is the problem. So I don't want to cut you off, but I think that that is a decent point as well. That has only been picked up because Austin Healy referenced it on TV. Yeah. Carry
0: on. There's so much of that, though. You know, I'm I'm looking at a game, and I'd love to have a go at being a you know a shadow TMO for a match you are, you are this is it you're doing it I know it's like I know it's after yeah I do it from home but I sit there and, and genuinely when I'm watching it on BT Sport I see things as you know ex-players do and I don't know how many of them are ex-players but you see things you see a hit that you know is borderline why isn't it being replayed and checked straight away and then buzzed down because that's that Owen Farrell one you know he's by the side of a rock and he's an upright tackler so you should be watching for that and it was a clear, it's a clear red card, and I'll be controversial here to everyone who thinks that he should be bound for a long, long time. I think it's low end, and here's the sanctions on it. Low end is two weeks, mid-range is six weeks, and then high end is ten weeks in terms of a dangerous tackle. I only think, and Jack Clement got up and he played on, and it's not necessarily about the impact that he has afterwards around the drop goal, but for me, it's a high shot, shoulder to head there's a bit of force there not a huge amount of force but enough to jolt him it's 100% a red card he should have been sent off there and then had the TMO and the referee done their jobs properly but when it comes to the disciplinary hearing our podcast we record it on a Monday it'll be out tomorrow morning which is Tuesday morning the hearing's Tuesday evening I think he's only going to get a two-week ban and people will look at that and go oh it's just the RFU looking after a their own players, well, I don't think it is. The judicial committee are supposed to be independent, even though they're from the RFU. So for me, I'm being honest, I think it's a two-week ban. I think it's a low-end entry point. It's going to ruffle feathers either way, isn't it? Because if he gets six weeks and they reduce it to three so he can play against Scotland, well, everyone's going to go mad about that. And if they only give him two weeks and say it's a low-end entry point, well, people will go mad about that as well and say he should have had more. But without a shadow of a doubt, it should have been a red, and I reckon he'll get a two-week ban.
3: And then what And then what happened off the back of that? So what happened off the back of that high tackle, him not getting red carded? He drops a goal from 45 metres out, having missed yeah. two or three kicks in the game. So that's stuff that's going viral on social media of a high tackle, of him being red carded, not being red carded, should have been red carded. No one knows the laws, no one knows the rules. It becomes a bit comical, but it comes very topical. So then he drops the goal... And casual fans who don't subscribe to BT Sport, let's remember a lot of casual rugby fans, a lot of England fans who are going to watch the Six Nations don't necessarily watch BT Sport on a Friday night, Gloucester versus Saracens, are going to have viewed that and seen that, him make a big physical tackle that's too high, he's going to get banned for, but then dropping a goal from 45 metres out. Like, I love it. I love it. I'll be honest. I I love the games at the weekend to talk about these things here. It's the game of rugby which we love and we have to be honest with ourselves it is what it is
0: so who are you supporting then Jim are you supporting Gloucester or Saracens because I asked you on social media and you absolutely choked the question I was on the fence like genuinely R- rugby I support rugby yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: yeah I do I yeah. love this game um, <laughs> I'm all right with Gloucester now. They're all right with me. There's a few reasons why. Obviously, Ravo's team manager and stuff like that. But Saracens are a phenomenal team, right? Yeah. You look at Gloucester and mentioned about them nearly beating. So we should have beat Saracens if it wasn't for a refereeing decision. Again, happy to talk about it. We should talk about it. It isn't us bagging the referees. It's the facts of it. He made a poor call in that first game. They made a poor call now. But from a Gloucester perspective, Saracens are going to be in the top two, right? We know that. They're going to be top. They're going to finish top. Not even top two. They're going to finish top. Gloucester, for me, have lost eight points. Or I uh, say eight points, they've got a couple of bonus points, so they haven't. So let's just call it 10 points. <laughs> <laughs> right? So they've lost a few points out of these two games. Gloucester are going to be a team, and this is the conversations I had with my mates, the enormity of that decision, and Owen Farrell getting that drop kick, and the same at the Stonex, at the end of the season, yeah. could not only be top four, which is more revenue, could be a European place, I doubt it, I think Gloucester will still be in the Champions Cup, but jobs are dependent on that as well, aren't they? Like Skivington, I don't think he has, but let's say he's got, you have to finish in the top four and they finish two points outside. And it's like, well, poor Ravo, he's got a roof box on the top of his old banger. Like he ain't getting a bonus. He ain't getting one if they don't make top four, you know? So there's so many things on top of that, but I'll just go back to my point. I thought that was a brilliant game. Loads of talking points to come out of it. And there's no part of me, apart from with a Gloucester hat on, I'm annoyed about what went on. And just one thing on the TMO as well, like I need to add this in from a Gloucester perspective and with my Gloucester hat on. I said it before, I'll say it again, when I spoke to Luke Pearce before, the TMO has the absolute keys to the kingdom of the big decisions, right? Because there's no emotion, you're in the truck, you've got multiple replays, you've got multiple cameras. Multiple biscuits. Yeah, lots of biscuits, I'm sure. But when Claire Hoggett calls that in, I don't think it should be off the fact fact of Austin and Delali or whoever's on commentary. I've been told it isn't. It clearly is. Clearly is off that point that you see. And again, I don't know the dynamics. If that is say Luke Pearce or Wayne Barnes speaking to Carl Dixon and says, "Carl, you need to check this," and he comes back and says, "No, I don't." It was it in the phase play or he gets his terminology wrong. I think Wayne Barnes or a Luke Pearce or. Matthew Ray now because Goody's mates with him. Definitely Andrew Brace. He'd definitely say. Yeah, Bracey would definitely say it. Would say to Carl Dixon, no, you need to look at this now, as in to have the authority. So, again, like Goody said, they're trying to change the game by speeding it up. But these are the biggest decisions which have the biggest ramifications at the end of a season. They're going to be huge. So, I do feel for Gloucester massively, but I enjoyed the drama.
0: And one thing to clear up, Jim, as well, we both worked on comms and. See the TMOs in the truck and everything like that. I'll clear this up now for all our listeners. The TMO hears the in game comms and sees all the angles and has everything at their disposal. What happens? The director cuts the comms once it goes to a referral. So they're then not, they shouldn't be influenced anyway. They should be doing their own job, looking at every tackle, every breakdown for foul play. But once it is referred, and then you hear the commentators. And the co-commentators talking about it and saying, well, I think it's this, that's a red, that's a yellow, it should be this or that. All those comms are then cut from the the TMO. So for clarity for all our listeners, yes, they hear the comms up until they refer something and then they have to make their decision with the referee themselves. And there's no influence from a Delalio a Hamilton, a Goode, a Healy, a Flatman, whoever it is on comms. Um, so, yeah, just do your job better, ladies and gentlemen.
3: And lastly on that, what about Nigel Owens coming in? Straight in. On his tractor. Straight in. Straight in. <laughs> Calling them out. Calling them out straight on his tractor. I mean, Razzie does it. Imagine Razzie does it. Yeah. He, he goes, like, all oh, hell breaks oh, loose. Why, he doesn't, why
0: doesn't Ravo do a video and say, you know, this is what should have happened, Razzie style? He's
3: got four kids. He's got four kids, mate. I don't think he's doing it. I think the only video he's doing is watching Pepper Pig.
1: <laughs> Goody Jim mentioned Wayne Barnes. Well, was the referee on Manu Tulangi's tackle on Tommy Allen. What were your thoughts? A tackle was it? Yeah, a torpedo.
0: Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, you've got to hope that Tommy Allen's okay. Uh, horrible to see him get stretched off, and you know, thoughts are with him. Clear shoulder to the head, and Wayne Barnes has just said it's a rugby incident. Like the position that Tommy Allen got himself in was a little bit because he dropped the ball, and therefore Manu he didn't have time to react because he's trying to torpedo him low. My issue with it, listen, we're fans of of Manu on here. But my issue with it, it doesn't look like there's any consideration to try and wrap an arm at all. It's that flying shoulder. And it looks horrific, and people will say it's a rugby incident, and I agree with that to some extent. But I just question whether Manu Tulangi was ever legal in terms of looking to wrap an arm. Because you talk about reaction times and everything like that. If you put yourself in a position as a player, as Manu did, to just torpedo into anyone, then you've got to expect that there might be the odd deviation. And if you're not rapping, then that's the one thing I thought they could have looked at. Was there a rap? Well, I think Wayne Barnes has just cancelled it and said it's a rugby incident because he's dropped the ball and he was in a position that he wouldn't have been in and there's no reaction time. So I think difficult one. But the worst thing is Tommy Allen has come off worse in terms of the two tackles that we're talking about than than Jack Clement. So you hope he's okay. It looked horrific in being stretched off but you got the best in the business in Wayne Barnes saying it was a rugby instance. so I don't know where you go with it.
3: There's been a huge shift, isn't there? There's been a massive shift and also confusion because you look at Ben Earls, for example. Yeah, He gets sent off and then it gets rescinded off the back of it. You look at Manu's at the weekend, I'm thinking red card all day long. Goody mentions the no wrap. Then you could say, well, if Tommy Allen took the ball and it became a tackle, he might have wrapped off the back of that. I'd, do you know what I mean? Like, as in this clearly is... A shift in terms of trying not to red card players, uh, which I agree with. It's a contact sport. I saw Hugo Monier did a really interesting piece on rugby tonight in terms of stop clocking tackles. Like Ben Earl, for example, had 0.34 seconds in the one that he got red carded against London Irish to try and adjust a body position. I don't know what Manu's would have been in terms of Tommy Allen's drop when he dropped the ball, but we're talking under a second. For players to change or to drop or whatever so it's a really difficult thing we'll be talking about this I'm sure forever but it is becoming apparent that big games and big decisions are, are being made on big calls and unfortunately referees you're in the middle of it enjoy the profile I'll be loving it I'll be absolutely loving the drama
1: aside from the drama and aside from the tackles did those two away wins from Sarri's and Sale at the other two teams in the top four and Quinns and Gloucester show that those two sides are a cut above the rest of the season? Saracens, definitely. I think Sale,
3: last week, I got a bit carried away, Goody. I said it was a two-horse race, and then I looked. There wasn't a huge amount of difference between Sale and third and fourth, whereas Sarries are head and shoulders above. But I think Sale at the weekend, the way that they played physically, up front, we know. Uh, they've added a few different attacking options that they've got. The two James brothers as well. The fact that they've got George Ford to come back in. I think they look brilliant.
0: Well, Sale are now twelve points clear of Quinn's in third place, and there you go. that was crucial for them. In reality, that you know they dusted Leicester last week, they've dusted Quinn's this week. Two of the bigger teams in terms of the top four picture. You talk about the players and how they've evolved and the attacking intent that Sale have got. I just want to talk about that first try for Tomo Flatty. It is pissing down with rain. And you look at the lines that they cut off a first-phase move. They obviously earmarked, and they you know they did an interview with Paul Deacon uh, during the game, they earmarked Joe Marchant as someone that flies out the line, and they put a, a brilliant play on off the top of the line, out, out the back, where they double-loaded Joe Marchant, and then found a, a short line off the fact that Josh Bassett then had to close in as well. It was absolutely brilliant from from Sale. You know We know their power, we know how... They kind of attack in terms of the straight north-south, let's have a go, you try and stop us. But they've added things, and I think a lot of that is George Ford in the background. And when he does come back, they're certainly going to add even more to their attacking game. So the O'Flaherty try, if you get a chance, have a look at it. Watch the handling, watch the line. that Luke James cuts off the short ball, and then the pass out the back to uh, O'Flaherty on the edge to score in the court. It was just absolutely brilliant. Appreciate first-phase moves, and that was class. Speaking of sale, see Chabal's
1: in the spot of trouble. He's been accused of scalping tickets. Do you guys ever have any run-ins or stories with the caveman? The fake tough guy.
0: Whoa, whoa Jim, really? Oh, whoa. oh, God. It's easy saying that on a podcast. First and foremost, what's going on in France? Bernard Laporte corrupt. Now Chabal's supposedly selling tickets for more than they're worth or even just flogging tickets that he's got the privilege because he's an ambassador. Allegedly. Allegedly, yeah, allegedly. Just denied. Deny, deny. And then he's re He's re Bernard the door, Bernard Laporte. Yeah, I mean... Did I never had a run-in with him. I saw him in Hong Kong once, didn't we, Jim? Singing on the, oh, on the pitch. He looked shocking. And then I saw him at about four in the morning. And yeah, I tried to avoid him because it was, it was very late at night and uh, I wasn't supposed to be out, I don't think.
3: I had a few run-ins with him. Did you? Yeah, we grabbed each other and looked each other in the eye. And he was a fake tough guy. I mean, if he had the ball in hand and he was running towards me, it's very different. But in terms of grabbing, he, I thought he was going to be a stronger grabber he wasn't, but he did look angry. And then I saw him drive out of Edgeley Park or whatever it was in his smart car, and I was like, mate, I've got a Vauxhall Astro at home. I'm much better than you, Cheval. <laughs> Legend, though, isn't he? He is. Yeah, he is. Mate, what, what, like, as in Sebastian Cheval, I know we are segueing, but that hacker where France and New Zealand in 2007... 2007. 2007, it was. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say 2011... And he has ran over Ali Williams and broke his jaw and his cheekbone. Hey, look, we shouldn't be glorifying trauma, but goodness me, I'm glorifying it because he was an inglorious bastard that day and he was one of the best players in the world. And the marketing team, to tell him to grow the beard and to grow the Charlie Matthews top knot, smart.
0: Did you grab Shabal's hair at all in the grabbing and the pushing and the shoving?
3: I don't grab hair, mate. Do you smell it? I don't grab hair. (laughs) I just, I just grab the gloves and throw up a uppercuts. That's what I used to do. I can't even talk myself up now. After today's session with Jay Younger, I am a shadow of my former self. So, Sebastian Shabal, when you listen to this, fake tough guy, you probably killed me now.
1: Well, another event that might see some ticket scalping is our live show at the O2 in London and Usher Hall in Edinburgh in February. They're only a few weeks away, so make sure you get yourself and your mates sorted at ticketech.co.uk well apart from the coaching upheaval what's happening at Leicester this season lads how have they shipped 85 points in the last two weeks I feel sorry for them
0: yeah I'll be honest there's a, there's a few things you've got a little bounce against Gloucester pre-Christmas you know a decent performance there but then to be fair going away to Sale is tough going away to Newcastle in the form they're in is, is tough as well uh, but it's the manner of shipping them out of points. They have got a boatload of injuries. They've got no Montosio. They've got no Jasper Visa. They've got no George Martin. Janssen in the back row. Ollie Cracken as well. They're their kind of big five ball carriers. So they've got no sort of go forward in terms of their big power runners. Then you've lost Andre Pollard, Anthony Watson, Guy Porter, Freddie Burns as well. He was injured. Chris Ashton, where's he? Where's Ashy Jim? Blame Ashy. Where is he?
3: No, I think he's off to Ealing now I don't know <laughs> I don't know.
0: But they have a very long injury list which Wiggy as a head coach uh he said no excuses just going to get on with it get better week in week out. Um but it is tough for them, you know. I think they slightly overachieved last year uh, and you know they weren't performing that well even before Steve Borthwick left I don't think. They've lost a couple of close ones, they lost a bath in the last minute in the prem they got absolutely hosed by saracens uh, down there early in the season. So I think a little bit of the success of last year, they lost Ellis Genge and George Ford who were two major parts of their success story last year. They've had a load of injuries and I'm not making excuses for them it's you know every team has that but then you take the coaches out mid-season and the influence that they have you start sort of looking over your shoulder and looking around for someone to you know, get you some momentum. And when Jasper Visa and Montoja, two of their best players over the last 18 months, have been out injured for a few weeks as well, you haven't even got those world-class leaders there to, to get you on the front foot. So it's difficult for them. They'll bounce back. Tough, tough start for Wiggy. You get a win over Gloucester and everything looks good. And then you play Sale away, get hosed, and you play Newcastle away. And you know, they were sloppy. Discipline was poor. They hope to get some bodies back and they'll improve towards the back end of the season, hopefully.
3: I don't even know what to make of it, really, because I know Goody's being kind, I'd say, because he's got the Andy Goody suite. I should be kind because I've got good mates there as well. But, you know, like you mentioned them players, and absolutely right. You look at Julian Montoya, one of the best players in the world at the minute. Jasper Viz, you could arguably say, is up there as well. But I looked at their team, right? So I was watching them play, and I was thinking, right, something ain't right here. And we know the reasons why. Like, to lose your head coach and to lose Kevin Sinfield, it's huge, right? Massive disruption. There is no bigger disruption. You're the championship team. You've got a few injuries, like we've just said. You've lost your head coach. You don't know who's coming in. Like, it's madness when you think about it. But they had Freddie Stewart at 15. Uh, Matt Scott, Scotland International at 13. Dan Kelly, everyone thinks that he's got an opportunity to play for England. Ben Young's most capped England player. James Cronin, Irish International. Dan Cole, one of the most capped England players. Tommy Raphael, Welsh International. Liebenberg, as we know, is a quality player. On paper, they should be a lot better than Newcastle. But and it was the scoreline. It wasn't the fact that they lost. It was the quality they still had in their team and the manner in which they lost and how poor their attack was and how I don't know. Like they've just seemed to have lost all confidence. And we're not talking about a team that's on the rebuild. If you look at it solely on the fact that they're the current champions of the Premiership, right, and how well they did last season, the disruption with Borthwick and Sinfield going, like, you can't even put it into context. Like, it, it's crazy. I know Steve Borthwick, Andrea Pincham, the CEO, Goody, said that she, Steve's helping look at the next coach to come in. Who's out there? Do you know what I mean? You panic by it. If you try and get someone now, Goody, is that, would you coach? You want to be a
0: TMO, mate? You can't coach. <laughs> what should I go on, oh, mate? Coaching's got more money in it than TMOs, I reckon. No, I'm joking. Um, I know that, that they've got a list, apparently, that they're looking at. Who? Who would you want to see? Let's just
3: throw some names out there, Goody. Like, as said, if you think about some names that are out there in the public domain, I can't think of anyone apart from Leo Cullen. I tweeted, I text Leo today. It was his birthday. Happy birthday, Leo. He's about 65, is he?
0: <laughs> Something like that. You're right. Um, who is out there? Well, I think they'll end up being a bit of a tug and war between Wiggy potentially staying as head coach, and I think Steve Orton wants Richard Wigglesworth to go there. To England, oh, madness, you're right, though. I don't know. Eddie Jones, bring him back.
3: <laughs> I don't, hey, he's a TV pundit with Clive Woodward now. That's going to be interesting.
0: Yeah, I don't know, is the answer, Jim. Uh, in terms of who's out there, I hope
3: they keep Wiggy. Yeah, I look at it goody and I look at the weekend, right? And I look, watch the interviews after all young. So you watch Phil Dowson, I know they lost, but Phil Dowson, young coach. Uh, we're talking about Wiggy now. George Skivington's 40 years old. Uh, Dave Walder at Newcastle isn't much older than that. Like I love looking at the Premiership now, and you've got yeah, Al Sanderson. You've got a talent of players, a talent pool of players, but you've got young English coaches at the, at the helm. I hope they keep Wiggy. I hope they come through. I hope Pollard comes back fit, and the players like Jasper Visa come good again. Like that's what I hope that happens. But I just if you're talking about the here and now, what do you expect? Dino,
0: Dino,
1: I've solved it. I've solved it. Bring back Dino he will be fishing in the canals of Leicester, picking up dirty nappies. Newcastle have won three in a row at home now. How impressed were you with them? Very. A lot. Yeah. Very. I did hear something goody. We'll ask our guest
3: that Dave Walder wanted to be the All Blacks of the North. Something ridiculous like that. We're like, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute, mate. You've got the artificial pitch. Dino's no longer there with his briefcase. What are you talking about? But they play some good ruggers yeah they do
0: they do they've got a decent team obviously the Argentinians in the centres both seasoned internationals Orlando and Moroni Carreras on one wing and Radwan on the other they punch above their weight especially at home you know they've got a, a gnarly pack as well and you know Dave I, I don't know is it because there's no relegation so Dave Walder who loves attacking he was my coach when I was at Newcastle and He's someone that loves first-phase attack. He loves to try and get the ball to the width and play heads-up rugby and see the space and all this stuff. But when you're in a relegation battle, I think he cringed when Dino said, I'm signing Goody to try and keep us up because he knew it would just be kick and chase. And it was effective. But in the new era... He was right, though. He was right, yeah. But in the new era of... If you
3: didn't keep them up, they wouldn't be where they are now, Andrew. Like We wouldn't even be talking about them. We could arguably be talking
0: about Cornish Pirates or something instead. Well, they got relegated a few years after as well. I couldn't save them twice. Part of the history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think with it, the threat of no relegation's gone, so it's freed them up to be able to play a lot more and use the exciting players they've got. And you've got Carl Ferns, you've got Gary Graham, who we're going to chat to in a bit. You know, Peterson in the second row. We spoke about last week. Gnarly, hard, tough buggers that, you know, get you on the front foot. Horrible. And, yeah. And yeah, it's not going to work every week, but they've dusted extra at home, they've dusted Sale at home, now they've dusted Leicester at home. This isn't... All due respect, beating three teams near the bottom. This is three of the decent teams. Exeter, with the history they've got and the players they've got. Leicester, who won the, the, the Premiership last year, and Sale, who was second in the league. So things are looking up in Newcastle, and they're the All Blacks of the North because they wear black shirts, Jim. That's about it. All, Bla- All Blacks are shit anyway, aren't they?
3: <laughs> Jim would make the All Blacks, wouldn't he? 60 Kappa. No, not now, mate. No, you should have seen the training this morning. <laughs> I, I don't even think I'd make the Thundercats at the minute. <laughs>
2: <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Viore. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can scare an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com.
1: Well, we can have a chat now with one of the men at the heart of that record win over Leicester at the weekend. Falcons back
0: row, Gary Graham joins us. How are you, mate?
4: Yeah, all good, mate.
0: You sound buzzing, mate. You've just had your biggest ever victory over Leicester Tigers that you were a big part of, and you're just all right. You should be buzzing, eh?
4: Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm buzzing about the game, yeah. Um, I mean, it was fucking, it was a massive win against a good Leicester team, but. I mean, there's still there's still much more rugby to play, so and I think you can obviously see the league is very very tight. So that's them five point points helped us a lot. But then London Irish doing it over on Bristol did us a bit in, in the back as well.
0: I oh, just want obviously you know you said you you were buzzing, but I'm not feeling the energy. Is it down to the kids, or tell me it was because you had a massive night out on Saturday after beating Leicester?
4: Uh, we never actually went out. To be fair. What? I had a few beers at home. I finished up a bottle of wine when I got home and then I had a few uh and and that's about it. But the kids, I've got one and I've got another on the way, so that's just a fucking a constant stress in the back of my mind now. <laughs> Panic stations at Defcon 5 at the minute.
0: Oh, nice, nice. Uh, and how, how's everything at the club? Obviously, a big change with Dino leaving and then Dave Walder fully taking over. It took a bit of time to get going at the start of the season, but we've had some, I say we because I, I feel part of Newcastle because I played there. Uh, some decent results over the last few, week and, few weeks and things are going well, eh?
4: I think it's been, yeah, I think it's been class. I mean, no, no disrespect to Dean, but it's been really, really good. Dave's been really, really positive. The club seems positive. I mean, it was losing Googs was a bit of a, a shitstorm in the middle of the season, but I mean, we've we've done some decent results now, so hopefully that's going to keep going that way.
0: And in terms of the, the squad itself, what are they kind of looking at this year? I mean, there's been so much chat around salary cap, reduction we've seen Wasps and Worcester go bust off the back of that Newcastle obviously McGuigan lefted knee through the middle of the season are there any whispers around the club about the positivity of results matched in with the financial issues across the game how's that for the players at the minute
4: not very good I don't I don't think I, I mean I heard a rumor the other day from one of the players that the possibilities of a, of a two-league system where it's going to be like a I don't know 10 10 team leagues and the The rumor was that Newcastle would be in that bottom one because they wouldn't obviously match the finances of the top one. But I don't, I'm not sure. They don't really speak to us about finances. I know there's a few lads that have been offered contracts um, that maybe weren't where they thought they were going to be. But I don't know. I don't really know where the, where the club is. I think they're. I think we're doing all right. But like I say, we're kind of in the dark about it. Yeah,
0: and interestingly, obviously. With performances and, and results, becomes a lot of positivity. And a load of Argentinians are playing exceptionally well as well. How have these RG boys settled in up at Newcastle? Does anyone understand them? Do they understand the Geordie accent? They obviously must do, because they're going pretty well. Like Carreras at the weekend again was ridiculous, wasn't he? Uh,
4: he's a little freak, man, honestly. But they're, they're actually all, they're all good boys. Um, they came over here with fucking no English. Well, they say no English, but whenever it was something for them, they would understand. Whenever you were asking them for something, they didn't understand. They're all they're all filled in really really well. Carreras he's a little fucking asshole at times. He likes to get handsy with you. He's only a little guy, but he's got small man syndrome, so he chucks it about. Uh, and then Tosti is the same. Two tears came in later, but he's a great bloke and a great rugby player as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. Now listen to Dave Warder. He says you're quite an emotional guy, and we know you are. Uh, first question is: This week, are you Scottish or are you English? Uh, did we work out which one that was going to be for this season, or? <laughs>
4: I told you I'm a mercenary. <laughs> I'll be whatever the highest bidder needs me to be.
0: Now, I've got to ask you about your social media presence and your comment that you made about yourself a couple of weeks ago, That the break that you made against Bath uh, and then the comment that you put in on social media. Slower than the, a week in the jail, wasn't it?
4: Slower than a week in the jail, yeah. yeah. Have
0: you had some abuse off the lads for that break?
4: <laughs> I have, actually, yeah. Everyone has said to me that if I'd have just dived about five metres before the line, I'd have slid over but it's all fucking well and good until you see Ted Hill steaming at you. And I'm trying to palm him off and he wraps me up and I felt like a fucking child being cradled by his dad when I was on the line because I could not move. He's a a big, strong, lengthy lad and there was nothing I could have done there to be fair.
0: Let's talk about Mateo Carreras then. I know you said he's handsy, he's got small man syndrome and all that stuff, but he's been unbelievable this year, hasn't he? Obviously the tries, he scored 11 tries in nine Premiership games. Uh, tell us a bit ab- about him as a bloke. Small lad, but wants to have a pop, does he?
4: Yeah, he does, mate. All the time. Like today I was in injury clinic and I'm getting a rub on my back and just feel a little fucking Spanish hand slapping me across <laughs> my fucking... Love handles while I'm on, on the bed, so... He does all that. He's, he's very, very aggressive, um, very, very abrasive, very powerful. Uh, his English is very good, though he'll tell you it's not. But he's a he's a, he's a quality lad, like, and a, I'm sure he'll be in the Argentinian team for, for a long time coming.
0: And on the other flank, you've got Adam Radwan as well. Ridiculous form over the last couple of years, been involved with England, but out of the mix towards the back end. Any news on him being in, involved in the Six Nations or... What's the banter like between those two? Who's the quickest out of those two?
4: Radders. Radders is lightning quick, man. Radders would leave him in the dust, but I think Mateo's feet is much better. And probably a rugby brain, because Radders is a fucking divvy. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but yeah. But for, for pure pace, it'd be Radders. It'd be Radders, yeah.
0: But in what do, in what way do you mean he's a bit of a divvy? Talk to us about Adam Rad by then. What you know, is he nah, it's just, <laughs> he's
4: just, uh, he's just he's just a funny lad. He's just a funny lad. He's uh, a bit of a comedian, bit of a space cadet at times, but he's uh, he's fucking the fastest man on the planet, so he gets away with it. Gary, just going back
1: the the two tier competition. Can you tell us a little bit a ab- bit more about what you know about that comp?
4: Not really. Um, the only thing that I, it's literally just rumour mill at the moment that there was going to be two ten team leagues. I don't know what what would that be at the moment, but that would be like a... With a
0: championship as well,
4: ...regimented, isn't? no. Yeah, like, so I don't know I, I don't know how it'd work, to be honest, because obviously, how many, what, 12 teams in the champ now? Mm. And then what have we got in the Prem? 10 at the minute. So I don't know how. Could just be rumours, but there's no smoke without fireless, eh, isn't
0: it? So in terms of a player, would you rather there be a sort of closed shop, as there is now, where it allows teams to express themselves? Listen, I played for Newcastle when we were trying to, get away from relegation and we ended up staying up and, and London Irish went down but we they signed me to kick yeah. to kick goals and kick the corners it wasn't to give Adam Radwan or anyone like that the ball because they weren't getting it it was just boot it long and hope for the best but as a player now do you want to be part of a league that has promotional relegation or are you saying that this 11 team league with no relegation brings out the best in some of the talent that we've got and allows you to play a more expansive game?
4: Fuck that, man. Honestly, I don't. I don't want to get relegated. Like <laughs> it's it's, <laughs> it's uh. It's all well and good. Like oh, it's massive. Like crowd bringing in because of seeing like these big games for relegation. That, but it's people's jobs on the line. Like yeah, fucking well done. You get to see a a game that is so much riding on it. But there might be contracts riding on that. Now I'd rather fucking have food in my family's belly than have a big crowd game that sees. People, loads of people, brought into it or whatever else. So, I, I would have it not, but I would, I would certainly bring or think about bringing in Ealing because I think they've obviously got a lot of money, um, and if they've got a lot of ambition and they're bringing in a lot of good players and stuff, um, so I would maybe think about that. But me personally, I think relegation is there's a lot more riding on it than just a team being relegated to the to the league below.
0: Ealing lost to Colby at the weekend, so well, Andy, <laughs>
4: Andy, yeah, true, true, yeah. That is true. Scotland, mate, you in? To get the call up or not? What's happening?
0: <laughs> he says he's a mercenary. <laughs>
4: Absolutely. Uh, there's, there's no chance of me getting up to Scotland, I don't think. Very, very slim to not.
3: Two more years, you'll be qualified for England again, mate. So you can get back in the mixer for them
4: if you want. Uh, if I get over to France and do three years there, then I can maybe pull on the, the cockerel after a few years. <laughs> Yeah,
3: smart. Uh, just another thing as well. Like I did see something about Dave Walder saying that Newcastle wanted to be the All Blacks of the North or play that way. At um, first, I laughed, right? I don't know whether that was that came through an agent or Kate. Let's just say he said that you want to be the All Blacks of the North. Let's just keep that tone. And I'm thinking, there ain't right, a chance. Yeah. There ain't a chance now this is happening, right? And then, I haven't seen loads of your games. I've seen bits of the games. I've, I've watched the games that you've won, ironically some of the players and some of the rugby that you're playing we referenced it last week on the podcast like that is a horrible looking like an horrible looking back imagine that out in newcastle like as if people ain't coming towards that they're going towards the argentine in your team but the balance looks awesome mate is that a lot to do with dave Walder, dino or
4: a bit of both i don't know who does the hiring and firing to be honest i think dean dean's really or was really good sorry Uh finding hidden gems so obviously Carreras I think he was just playing the Argentine 7s like not played any 15s and not done anything really and then Dean's obviously plucked him out and he's now our best player by far so I think he's pretty good at finding a few hidden gems uh, I'm sure Dave has an input on it as well but it, it seems to have worked and it was we're coming good now.
3: One thing I wanted to ask Gary was Mike Brown I know that he was at Newcastle for a bit and watching Tom Perry carve up at the weekend actually look quite similar, to be fair. Mike Brown wasn't kept on. Was there a reason behind that? Do you know? Because I, I felt like he was playing loads for you boys last, last year.
4: Yeah, he was, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think there was, there was something between him and, and Dean at some point, but we weren't privy. And I know, I don't think he was enjoying it as much as maybe he thought he was gonna or, or whatever else. But no, there was no... There was no, nothing nothing to report. Oh, well,
3: all I know is he's looking at you boys in the pack and then he could be back at Queens for Charlie Matthews who's got a top knot. <laughs> so maybe that's... was <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'll tell you one thing you'd notice as well. <laughs> I used to get off the plane when I got out at Newcastle and it'd be a good 10 degrees colder up there than it was when I got on the plane down at Heathrow. So maybe he just didn't like the cold either. He needs some body fat on him. That's his problem. Everyone needs a bit of body fat to keep warm. That's, yeah. that's why I was ideal up at Newcastle. I
4: didn't even touch the sides. Right, he just needs to get that silver spoon out his mouth. Get down to some northern <laughs> grit.
0: Well,
3: it's done now. It's a done deal. He's gone. Unless the, I don't know, I'm trying to think the wirral come good or something. He wants to head back north.
0: <laughs> Are you supporting in the Calcutta Cup? Last question.
3: Uh, Scotland.
0: Oh, there why we go. Why did you pause? There was a pause. Why did you go? um He went, um.
3: He said, um. Must be difficult. You're on the border.
0: Because there's a chance.
3: His dad. That's
1: why he said it. chance that I might get, get back in there is going to get me. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, class to have you on, mate. And uh, best of luck for the rest of the season. Uh, good to see you back out in the field as well. Cheers, lads. Cheers, Gary. Legend. Thanks, Cheers, Gary. mate. Cheers. Top lad. Top lad.
0: Yeah,
4: he Top is. lad.
1: I did miss a bit of that. I'm good
3: because there was a few F-bombs, salt of the earth, for, yeah. f- uh, like floating about. So I wish I was there for the start of it, but I'll listen to it back.
0: Probably the most honest man you'll meet in terms of rugby. He just tells it as it is. Doesn't fuck around. Loves to throw an F-bomb out there. Uh, hard as you like. And... What we found out is Carreras, the little winger, has got small man syndrome and and grabs his love handles. Really? Yeah, he gives him a bit of a slap around. He he, he tries to get handsy with the big boys, apparently. He'll get caught and get filled in. That's the problem.
3: Uh, I don't know if he'll get caught. Absolutely rapid.
0: Yeah. And the two-tier comp, Goody. It was quite interesting. Well, it's interesting. It's coming from the players, isn't it? And we know what change rooms are like, myself and Jim. And some people, like Jim Hamilton, would walk into a change room and just spread the most audacious rumour and therefore <laughs> by the end of the day you're like i believe it i definitely believe it because there's 40 blokes in there have you heard the news have you heard this so we don't know uh, i know that the premiership rugby are looking at all different avenues and they're talking about reinventing the league in 2024 and all this stuff but if it does go to two tiers of 10 with the championship clubs as well you can't relegate newcastle unless they're bottom of the league because the attractive rugby they're playing ironically the richest club if you say the richest club, yeah, the richest owner and the guy with seemingly the most money and the club that's seemingly spending a hell of a lot, investing a hell of a lot and have done exceptionally well, they're bottom of the league. So you can't just stick Newcastle down there if that is the case because they've got the least amount of money or the least amount of backing because the team with the biggest backing, they're bottom at the minute.
3: But the question might come, it might not come from the players obviously but it might come from the owners in terms of the amount of investment they want to put in because we know that Newcastle don't want to or don't invest a huge amount of money so they might feel more comfortable with their current commercial and ownership structure to be I mean I wouldn't like to see it really I was good to see Leeds, Yorkshire, Carnegie however many times they were rebranded go to the wall as well but Newcastle now and Sale because there was talk of Sale struggling a little bit wasn't there mm. over the last few years and financially how much Jason Orange wanted to put in I say Jason it's Simon but we'll just call him Jason <laughs> he hates that um, but yeah like Newcastle unreal at the minute and like I said last week fronted by the forwards my goodness me playing against them Carl Ferns oh
0: that nice I mean in me
3: prime tell his name in nose. me prime I know he, hey, he's been there he's been
1: there a few times
3: he's been round the block that lad
1: well, let's have a look at the key points out of the URC then, Jim. What have we got? Well, the headline one is Ulster lost again. Why you being horrible? In
0: Benetton. Why been
3: horrible? Well, I've just... I know. Well, they've lost now five out of six. So, yeah, you've got to say it how it is. They were better. They could have won the game. It was a 77th minute offside penalty. I don't know who it was. I think it might have been... I don't want to say it because he might be playing for Scotland. John Cooney, I think he might have been offside. Don't quote me on that. It might have been him. That's all I saw. I didn't see the replay of it, but they got that penalty on 78 minutes to win the game, 29-28. But Benetton, mate, good team. Like, you need to go back and have a look at one of their tries. Ignacio Brex, the Italian centre, puts this lovely little cross-field kick in the outside of his boot to rat away the winger. And, mate, Ulster, struggling. Mike Lowry's back. Stuart McCluskey, friend of the show, played well at times. But confidence, clearly just loads of
0: mistakes. Discipline poor. You talk about friend of the show, another friend of the show, Stevie Ferris, he will not a pair.
3: No, he's not a pair. No, he's very forthcoming with his views as Stevie. Very insightful as well. Like he's Whether or not that rubs people up the wrong way. Honest. Ulster, he's doing his job, honest. isn't he? Yeah, he is honest. Yeah, he is honest and he's very good at his job. And look, I know a few of the Ulster lads might listen to this or their friends do. I'm a big fan of Dan McFarland. But you do wonder what the expectation is of... The Irish Rugby Union, I'm not saying that Dan McFarland is under pressure. He probably feels under pressure. Are you saying he's going, Jim? No, I'm not saying he's going. Why are you being horrible again? You said last week your
0: New Year's resolution was to be nice. Now he's trying to sack people. You're trying to blame people. You blame John Cooney. You're trying to sack Dan McFarland. I'm not having it, Jim.
3: I'm just putting pressure on John Cooney because if he plays for Scotland, he needs to know that you can't be giving the Jim Hamilton penalties away like that (laughs) to lose his games. But they're still fourth in the URC. You know what I mean? So if you look at it like that, Europe's going to be a huge test for them. They've got Shell away. All the best. Well, we know what happened in that. They've got some good players, but they've just been struggling. I mean, I like Nick Timoney in the back row. Uh, hopefully, Vimmulen comes back for them. Mention Cooney, Mike Lowry's back. Uh, Balakun on the wing. Stockdale needs needs to find a bit of form. James Hume in the centre hasn't found the form that you were mounting over last season. But I'd, I would just I just need to say it because Benetton, they're sixth now in the URC. And Zebra run Edinburgh close as well, very close, as in yeah. Edinburgh very lucky to win that game. I watched it, and if it wasn't for the referee, Edinburgh scored on the 78th and 45th second, and she didn't let them play. She didn't let the Zebra play with the balls anymore. She blew it up because the kick took longer than well, you know, the setup of the kick or whatever. They haven't won a game this season. They've picked up a few bonus points. They've only got five points, but the Italian teams are much better. And like I tweeted. I've no longer got a blue tick, I got hacked. Um, But like I tweeted, the Italian teams and the Italian rugby is on the up and you need to watch how well Benetton plays. So, yeah, not great for Ulster, but all credit's got to go
0: to Benetton. Yeah. Big win for Scarlets, down in Cardiff. Yeah. Local rivalry there. Uh Rhys Patchell played really well at 10. Jonathan Davis scored a try that should never have been because he was about five yards off. So, how the TMO's not... TMO Andy again. So, Patchell makes a break, puts a chip kick in. I'm telling you... Jonathan Davis is about five metres offside, chasing the kick, and he eventually scores. How the TMO's missed that. I mean, this is why... Don't talk, mate. Don't talk about URC (laughs) (laughs) officiating. It's a story for another day, mate. Uh, This is why I should be a TMO. How the TMO's not even looked at that is beyond me, and Dai Young mentioned it after the game, I think. Um, But good win for the Scarlets. They've been poor this year. Dwayne Peel, obviously, uh, as head coach, they've picked up a few decent results over the last few weeks, and they're, they're coming into some form, so they're getting some their big players back. They beat Dragons in a fight and then beat them in a fight on the field as well. And then Cardiff this week. So yeah, good stuff for, for Scarlets.
1: Glasgow, late like, wins, beat the Stormers, didn't they, Jim? Very good.
3: Very impressive, Glasgow. Sioni Tupolotto again. Cheap modes, carving
0: up. What about Tupolotto's nudge through for the try? I've never I've never seen that yeah. at all from him. Unbelievable. Yeah, he
3: did it last week against Edinburgh, but no, like that's Apologies. a new thing that I've seen. Yeah, Apologies. that's all right. I, I, know didn't watch I know I'm the URC. I'm the URC <laughs> correspondent. I get that. Hugh Jones on fire. He is on fire. So they've been trying to get him back to fitness. So from a Scotland perspective. Who's in the centres? Who's in the centres if I called it now? Yeah. Them two. Really? Yeah. Hugh Jones from nowhere though, eh? Well, Hugh Jones has been injured for a while and then he came back to play in the Challenge Cup, carved up. Let's say he got man of the match. I think he did get man of the match against Perpignan. They were bottom of the top fourteen. Fair enough. Yeah, but still, mate, unbelievable try at the weekend. (laughs) Perpignan saw it online, mate. Unbelievable. (laughs) They're not poo -poo -poo with that try. Uh, But Glasgow very good. Mate, under Franco Smith was unsure whether or not he was the right man. The Stormers, as we know, uh, under my mate, what's his name again?
0: John Dobson, mate, you're getting I'm all excited joking. about Glasgow. I'm Let's be joking. honest. Let's be honest. You're getting I'm all joking. excited about Glasgow's victory. It was Glasgow's first team against the Stormers' force team. They they played the Shags.
3: You can only play what's in front of you, Andrew. Correct. You can only play what's in front of you. Yeah, so very pleased for Glasgow. We should also send our well wishes to Jake White, the Blue Bulls coach, as well. So after their win against Dragons on Friday, apparently got rushed into hospital. So having emergency surgery on his stomach or something. Yeah,
0: he didn't make the game. Uh, and then felt better to fly back to South Africa. And then that night after they landed, he complained of massive stomach cramps. I think he's had his appendix out. Thoughts with him? I've had mine out as well. I've still got the swelling from it. Though. That's the problem. I can't get rid of the swelling.
3: <laughs> no, mate, that's the gastric band that's popped. Uh, you do wonder without labouring the point. Imagine imagine these flights. Imagine being in like Pretoria or Cape Town or anywhere in South Africa and trying to get to Newport Gwent Dragons <laughs> or whatever they're called now, Dragons Rugby. Like, imagine. Like, the travel's just unsustainable. And we saw that Ivan Roos, friend of the show, he collapsed after one of the games. He took a knock on his ribs, and then he got off the plane and collapsed because he had yeah. fluid on the lungs or something. Yeah. Like, the, the travel ain't good, and there's all the talk of Luke Cow and Dickey because they're going down to South Africa. The travel's going to be the main issue, really, of trying to get him out there on the pit. I, well, I don't know. I'm not a doctor, even though I should have been, or a medic, but you know what I mean? Travel's becoming an issue. I'm not saying that Jake White or Ivan Roos have collapsed because of the planes, but, you know... Always feel ill after getting on the plane. Do you know if they're
0: flying business class or? Uh,
3: yeah, I think they are, yeah. I, I mean, I'd like to think they are. I don't, I don't know if you fly in business class to go to the Dragons, but.
0: You probably have to go Heathrow.
3: Mate, well, that's John Dobson, friend of the show.
1: If we have a look at the Champions Cup then, it's back this weekend. Which games are you looking forward to the most, lads?
3: Sale to lose. love and sale, all over sale at the minute. We know that they've struggled the first couple of games in the Champions Cup. I don't know how much emphasis they'll put on it. But I want to see them go full noise against Toulouse and see what they've got. See with this attacking flair and confidence that they've managed to find. Be interested to see what the AJ Bell is like. I know Simon Orange wants to try and get as many people to the games as he can. He's a big push for that, obviously. You want to try and fill the stadiums up. But Toulouse being a big team, I'm not saying that Sale are going to be competing on two fronts, but it'll be a good measure of them against Toulouse. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. I've not seen a huge amount of Toulouse, but we know that they've got quality across the board, haven't they, in terms
0: of why they've got DePont at nine. Well Jim, you mentioned Simon Orange trying to fill the stadium. Here's some madness for you. Sale kick off at one o'clock on Saturday. And at half twelve in Manchester is Manchester United kicking off against Man City in the Manchester Derby? So how ridiculous! Oh, mate, is that? Ronaldo,
3: mate, Ronaldo's not at Man United anymore, so no one's interested in that game.
0: <laughs> so I mean, why? I, I mean, who's decided? I don't know. If it's BT or whether it's Sale asking for it. Bill, it's madness, that isn't it? Blame Bill. Bill's asleep at the wheel again. But they, the Manchester Derby is kicking off at twelve thirty on Saturday, and Sale Sharks are kicking off at one o'clock against Toulouse, who are. You know, one of the best teams out there. So.
3: I'll be watching it. I'll be watching it I'll as well. I'll be watching it, you talk,
0: mate. You talk about shooting yourselves in the foot around trying to get new people to come and watch a game. Don't kick off at the same time as the Manchester Derby. Whoever's decided to do that.
1: What other games are we looking forward to, lads? It's
0: the return fixture of Racing-Quins. Quinn's won 14-10 at the stoop earlier in the competition. Uh, Racing also got hosed at home by Leinster. So uh, they talk about this competition being important to them. If they aren't winning this weekend, they are probably gone. So you expect a big performance from Rasim. Quinn's lost as well to the Sharks, so a lot on that and two exciting teams to watch. And then I actually can't wait to see Gloucester against Leinster. Gloucester sent a very weak team out to Leinster uh, in round two, didn't they, for various reasons. I was about to
3: jump in, Goody. Just quickly, I'm commentating on that. There, you. there you
0: go. I'll <laughs> definitely watch it now. Yeah, I've lied,
3: so I'm not I'm not going to be watching Sale to Lose. I'm a liar.
0: You're a liar, a manipulator. I'm a liar and a manipulator.
3: <laughs> so all about me first. I'm commentating on that. Thank you, BT Sport, for
0: having me for a big one. Go on. There you go. Well, um, that's why I want to watch it, Jim. I don't I don't care about the Ruggers now. I just want to hear your silky voice on my TV screen.
3: Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we did see Leo Cullen at the game, giving them the respect they deserve. Gloucester all in. <sighs> I mean, it's Leinster, though. Jeez Louise. And the fact that Leo Cullen is there... Means they mean business, means it's serious. What do you
0: mean he went to Leicester as well to interview for the job at the same weekend? That's what I said,
3: I texted Leo today and he said no comment. He didn't say no comment, he just ignored it, which makes me think that he's going to be the Leicester manager. So, silence silence
1: says it all. Shall we finish things off then with the good, the bad and the ugly?
0: Yeah, plenty of good this week as ever. Uh, we're going to start off with London Irish in the Premiership uh, and they had a good win over Bristol. Uh, Really impressed with Rory Jennings at 10. Sticking in the Premiership, the Sharks, they had a great win down at Quinn's in the rain. A brilliant try as well from O'Flaherty. If you get a chance to go back and see the highlights, have a watch of that. We're going to go to a place now, Jim, where we very rarely go, but it is big news. The Championship. And I'm not talking about the Rugby Championship, I'm talking about the English Championship of Rugby. And Coldy. Where are you going? Yeah, Coldy. They beat Ealing at the death with a missed six you ever seen a long ball in your life? Watch this. Ealing, I think, we're down to 12 players, a few in the bin. Long ball over the top, and they scored a try with the last player of the game to win it. Ealing haven't lost a game. They haven't even dropped a point all year. Uh, so a massive shout-out to all the Coldy boys for that victory, and all those kids in the background. We've all seen the video, probably. There's about 25 kids all jumping for joy because Coldy beat Ealing in the championship. So a big shout-out to all of them. I had to Google Coldy. Do you know where it is? Well, it's near Liverpool, because we were chatting to some lads from Coldy I'm going to tell you. Club. Yeah, well, I know where it is, Jim. I don't well, need let a you, lesson. Let, me
3: you, let me just add a bit in. Let me just tell you one Go bit. On. So, Coldy is a small... Um, is it affluent? Is it affluent? That means it's quite well off. Village on the Wirral Peninsula, England south-east of West Kerber. It's part of the West Kerber, Thurston Ward of the Metropolitan Borough of Wirral. What the hell is a metropolitan borough? Anyway, that's where Coldy is, and it's, it looks like it's there's a Coldy Beach there which doesn't look that pleasant, but I don't want to be horrible.
0: Do you not remember when we did the live show in Liverpool last year, we were talking to some of the lads from Coldy Rugby Club who said... we're gonna... think
3: I remember anything, mate? I think we a day four in, weren't we?
0: There's Something like that, yeah. But they said we're going to make big waves in the Champo next year. And I was like, all right, lads, all right. Well, they've just dusted Ealing. So massive shout out to everyone at Coldy Rugby Club. Uh, what else is good? Steve Borthwick gets mentioned the good this week. Forgetting Nick Evans. Is he going to be the yin to his yang? Uh, can't wait to see how that develops up in Scotland, Glasgow uh, are going to get a mention the Good, Six victories in a row, Jim, with their win over the Stormers' fourth team on Sunday. And two tries from their winger, Sebastian Cancillieri, which is a great Scottish name. Where's that from, Jim? I think he's Argentinian. There we of go. Of course he is. Scottish. Just called him Scottish. But yeah, good stuff from Glasgow. Six on the spin. We're going to go back to one of my old clubs, Jim. And breathe. What have Breath
3: done this week? They've beaten, oh yeah,
0: what have they done? They've beaten Toulon. They got the good last week. Well, they get another mention in the good this week. They don't win it this week, but they beat Toulon this week. So Patrice Calazzo is working his magic down in Breath. Connacht get a mention in the good as well. They beat the Sharks 24 points to 12. Big shout out to my old mate Finney Beeler, my holiday mate. Basically, he just played, so I want to give him a shout out. Uh, Scarlets get a mention in the good. They've been in the bad plenty of times this year, but they got a good away win at Cardiff, as we spoke about earlier. Uh, But the good this week goes to Matteo Carreras and Newcastle Falcons, another old club of mine. It's all about the old clubs. Uh, Matteo Carreras, six carries, 125 metres made, four defenders beaten and a first-half hat-trick. And Newcastle Falcons got their biggest ever victory over Leicester Tigers. So a massive shout-out to everyone up in the tune. The bad, a few bits of bad. We're going to start off with one of my old clubs, Jim. Leicester Tigers, it's been a tough couple of weeks for them. Uh, record defeat at Sale last weekend and a record defeat against the Falcons this weekend, conceding 85 points in two weeks. So they need to turn that round this weekend on Friday night against Claremont. Uh, Ulster get a mention the bad as well. Their trials and tribulations continue with defeat at Benetton. They've now lost five of their last six games. The Dragons, they're back in the, the bad gym. Dean's fault. It's not Dean's fault though because they've lost their last seven games now. Uh, Maybe it wasn't Dean Ryan's fault at all because I don't think they've won a game since Dean Ryan left, have they? Maybe they won one. But anyway, it can't just be Dean Ryan's fault if they're losing seven on the spin, can it?
3: No. I think they've won one game but let's just blame Dean but he's got a cigar, I imagine, in Cheltenham, loving life.
0: There you go. Bristol's getting mentioned the bad as well this week. An awful performance at London Irish, bottom of the league, and they've only won three of their 11 games. They had all their big names playing. Randraja played, Sinclair played, Ellis Genge played, Harry Thacker played, loads of them. Lua Tua played, Chris Vui played. But as Pat Lamb said after the game, a real poor performance from those boys. So they get mentioned the bad.
3: Gregor Townsend to Bristol. Really? No, I don't know. I, I could see it. I could see it. I'll be honest with you. We've got to call it how it is. Pat Lamb must be under pressure. You can't be bottom of the league when you've got them players at your disposal. I'm just saying. But I could see Gregor Townsend being a fit there. That's it. No one's told me. It's just my opinion.
0: There you go. Jim says, Gregor Townsend. When's he taking over? Pre-World Cup or post-World Cup?
3: <laughs> I don't know. They won't go pre. They've just lost a coach.
0: There you go. So Bristol get mentioned the bad, but the bad this week goes to the TMO and the referee for the debacle at Gloucester surrounding the Owen Farrell incident. Claire Hodnett as TMO and Carl Dixon as the referee got their communication wrong, didn't look at it. Whoever's fault it is, it's both of them, so they're getting the blame in Gloucester. Didn't get the red card to Owen Farrell that they should have had and then lose the game. So the bad this week goes to the TMO and the referee, Claire Hodnett and Carl Dixon. Uh, ugly, two bits of ugly. Firstly, Owen Farrell's hit, shoulder to the head of Jack Clement. We've all seen it, should have been a red card, but that's not winning the ugly this week because the ugly goes to a Kiwi. Japan, I'm going to Japan mm. and a Kiwi, Andy Rowe. Aaron Cruden. Oh, no. With a shoulder to the head of Faf de Klerk for the Suntory Goliath against Faf de Klerk's team. I think they're the Cannon Eagles or something like that. Anyway, have a look at it on YouTube or wherever you see your Japanese rugby because a little (laughs) fly-off like Aaron Cruden cannot, cannot be flying into a ruck and smashing Fafta Clerk in the head like that. Why don't the Kiwis like the Saffers?
3: Well, the funny thing is, is he's not... He didn't even fly in. It was like a static power movement, like as in, I want to go to fucking skiing now. I'm out of here. (laughs) Bang.
4: What are you doing?
0: (laughs)
1: What crazy doing, mate?
0: Yeah, crazy. So, uh, Aaron Cruden, he wins the Ugly this week.
1: Thanks, Goody. And, Jim, you've got a shout-out to finish off with, don't you? I have.
3: I've got a happy birthday to Jeremy in Cape Town, who turned 64 on January the 6th. From your son, Joe, apparently he's a massive fan of the pod, and he often walks around the house saying pod, 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 rugby pod. So, happy birthday to you. It's a few days ago now. And I also should say happy birthday to my son. He's 12 today, so... Jeremy, that's enough about you. JJ, it's all about you now. So he's 12 today, so I'm going to go and blow out his... I don't know whether we've got a caterpillar cake or we've got the one from Aldi. I'll have to chat to back. But either way, it's a long chocolate thing that I can't have because it's not gluten-free. But a couple of birthday shout-outs is what I'm saying.
0: Hey, I sent uh, Jeremy a message, actually. Uh, I sent him a video from the golf course. His son, Joe, got in touch with me, so happy birthday. But more importantly, happy 12th birthday to... JJ, what 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 age do you reckon JJ is going to be able to fill you in? Because it's always got to be a thing between father and son. At some point, you know you got your dad right. When's that coming in?
3: I asked him. I asked him. He said fifteen. But when I spoke to Deeks about it, like he doesn't think he can fill in his dad. Like so, like the hierarchy goes like Big Deacon, Lewis Deacon, and then Brett Deacon. And I'm like Deeks. I've seen you uppercut humans, mate. I reckon you could potentially take both of them. But I asked JJ. He said fifteen after today's debacle with Jay Younger doing some CrossFit, I genuinely think he could fill me in tomorrow's JJ now. So <laughs> I ain't even bother going to try. I'm a shadow of a former self.
1: Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Gertie. Thanks, Producer Rob, and Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube and make sure you're subscribed on Spotify. Ruby SPOD. spot pod 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 <laughs>